We have heard all about bhakti in the last chapter. Now we're not going to hear anything. No, that's not true. We're, but we're taking a, uh, a particular approach because in one sense, I mean, in the ultimate sense, not in one sense, in the ultimate sense, Sankhya, which is what we're studying here, the te- I mean, which we'll be especially studying now, the um, teachings of Sankhya Yoga, um, the essence of it is uh, bhakti, or at least we could say the purpose, ultimate purpose of it is, is bhakti. It's, or we could say, one another way would say it's the heart of bhakti. Um, and so now in chapter 26, so we heard about devotional service in text 25, and there were some very famous verses in there. Anyone remember one famous verse from chapter 25 that Prabhupada will quote a lot? Yes, yes. Satam prasangam. Thank you very much, Govind. Very kind. You got your um, diploma? Yes. Good. Finally. Only took a year. Um, yes. And that, is, that, is that 25 25? Yeah, I think so. That's the. Uh, we'll check it out. Yes. Satam prasangam mamaviri samvo. In the Association of Pure Devotees. So this is all about bhakti, right? Uh, discussions of the pastimes and activities of the Supreme Personality of Godhead are very pleasing and satisfying to the ear and the heart. By cultivating such knowledge, one gradually becomes advanced on the path of liberation, and thereafter he is freed um, and his attraction becomes fixed. Then real devotion and devotional service begin. So uh, here the word knowledge and liberation are used, but they're used in a certain context, right? Knowledge about Krishna, and li- we were talking about this in the Gita class yesterday, right? Uh, liberation um, the, has different definitions in different contexts. Right? So sometimes we consider, consider mukti, you know, uh, the idea of liberation, or, or what to speak of, you gave the example of Shishupal, you know, merging into the Lord is hellish, right? But um, what's that? Swarupena Vyavasati, what's the line before that? Anyone know? Okay, so the real muktir hitta rupam swarupena vyavasati. So real mukti is when we're establishing our swarup as Krishna's servant. Okay, so that's the liberation being discussed here and the knowledge being discussed here. But now we're going to hear in this next chapter, or the beginning. Uh, it's just beginning now in this next chapter, is um, the acts of knowledge which can cut our attachments so that we can get to that heart of bhakti. That's one way to look at it. Okay, so we're going to hear about how this world is created um, and how it, how it comes about in this chapter. And we're going to, as you might have saw from the homework assignment, we're not going to go through every verse in purport or great verses and purports, uh, we're going to look at the first section up to verse 8, and then from then we're going to do like a summary of the next, uh, well, there's actually three sections, um, but two of them are big sections, 20, 30 verses each. And we'll try to summarize them and give the essence of them. Okay? And we'll see how far we get. Oma jnana timrandasya jnananjana shalakaya chakshur militam yena 
Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Shri Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupakadamayam Tadati Swapadantikam Vanshakalpa Trubyascha Kripasindubyevacha Patitanam Bhavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasari Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare I hope my voice lasts. I was on Harinam last night. Yeah. Okay, so the personality of Godhead Kapila continued. Mm. My dear mother, now I shall describe unto you the different categories of the absolute truth, knowing which any person can be released from the influence of the modes of material nature. And Prabhupada, one sentence I'm just going to read. As long as one has even a slight desire to enjoy or lord it over material nature, there is no chance of his becoming freed from the influence of nature's material modes. Ouch. So, what would be your conclusion if you hear that? Should I repeat it again? There's no chance. <laughs> Might as well just give up now, right? <laughs> Great, Andy. <laughs> you learned a lot since you've been here. <laughs> that might be somebody's reaction to that, right? What's another, what's a better reaction? Nistraigunya rise above the three modes? By how? Getting absorbed in devotional service, yes. And, and yes, that's right. Anyone want to add to that? I have something in my mind which is not really fair, just to ask a question and then. But the idea of um, then, then developing humility, right? And then calling out to the Lord, knowing that if I read this sentence, there's no hope for me uh, with my own, just one second, with my own spiritual muscles. There's no hope. But Krishna, you know, he's all powerful and he's inclined to his devotees. So if I, what it, actually, someone was saying recently, Prabhupada said, uh, no, don't try to be a devotee, try to be a servant. So if I become a servant of Krishna and try to serve and especially serve his devotees, then maybe Krishna's blessings will come upon me and then I can do this. Otherwise, on my own, it's really, really hard. Yes, Prabhu? The red one. So it's when we get the, a desire in our heart or in our mind, it does not really ask for our permission or it's kind of, we just get it. So right. how we are somewhere Maybe intellectually we are trying to get to a point um, where we are in complete control. Yes, well, you use a nice word there, intellectually. That's, that comes from, you know, connecting what you just said with Mahamantra Prabhu. What he said is uh, that we have to get absorbed in devotional service, which is beyond the intellectual platform. So what happens a lot for us as devotees, um, and especially when we're studying Sankhya or the Bhagavad Gita for that matter, is that this parallel line 
of, on one hand, sharpening the intelligence, like we're, this is what this chapter in one sense is all about, sharpening the intelligence and trying to see this world for what it is. And on, on the other hand, the, the bhakti and devotion and attachment to Krishna, and that one being much more, pow more powerful than sharpening our, uh, our intelligence. Like that. Is that all right? Okay. So, yeah, there's a, Srila Prabhupada once said that, you know, if we're attached to even one laddu in this world, we have to take another birth. But then other times he would say, if you just follow the regular principles, chance 16 rounds, you'll go back to Godhead in this life. Meaning that the teacher sometimes uh, challenges a student and sometimes encourages a student. Both are there. They're not contradictory. They're just different times, different places, different circumstances. Okay, anything else on this? T text two. Knowledge is the ultimate perfection of self-realization. It doesn't say God-realization. Self-realization. Right? And this here we're talking about gyan, like verses 11 to 30 in the Gita, you know, the difference between the body and the soul and the nature of this world and our entrapment in it. I shall explain that knowledge unto you by which the knots of attachment to the material world are cut. So this knowledge that we're souls, we're not part of this world, and we should stop trying to enjoy matter, that should help us in our attempt to be devotees. So I'm going to read from the second paragraph, a little in. When one is fixed in the understanding that he is part and parcel of, that he is part and parcel of the supreme soul, and that his eternal position is to serve in association with the Supreme Lord, he becomes self-realized. Okay, so that's self-realizing and not God-realized. This position of rightly understanding oneself cuts the knot of material attraction, hridhaya granti vedhanam, due to false ego or false identification of oneself with the body and the material world one is entrapped by maya. But as soon as one understands that he is qualitatively the same substance as the Supreme Lord, that we're, we're spiritual, because he belongs to the same category of spirit soul and that, he perpetu and that his perpetual position is to serve, so there you're adding some bhakti, one attains atmadharshanam or hridaya grantim bedanam, self-realization, when one can cut the knot of attachment to the material world, his understanding is called knowledge. So just like, uh, yeah, so here it says that we, um, false identification with the body and the material world. Right? Some of, most of you are so spiritual, you wouldn't know that tonight is the Oscars. But, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> so the real winner is going to be Maya. <laughs> right? <laughs> Ultimately, he's going to, she will take best picture, best actor, best actress, best cinematographer, everything. Right? Because here it says um, that due to false ego or false identification of oneself with the body and the material world, one is entrapped by Maya. So there's so many distractions in this world, and that's just, that's one of them. 
like that. <laughs> um, so this is, uh, this is, you know, cutting the knot. And it's, it's a challenge for us. I was thinking of this that it was, um, I think devotees were, I think it's fair to say quite accurately that devotees were less steady in the 70s. Because it was such, it was you're either in or you're out. You're either 100% or, or as Prabhupada would say, judo, <laughs> Bengali pronunciation of zero, right? Um, and here, more devotees are like, you know, they're steady, they have their jobs, and they work, and they come on Sundays, and they're chanting 16 hours. You know, they're more, they're more steady. Um, but it's not, and this is not a criticism, it's just different. It's not the intensity of the, the 70s. We read this, and we were so detached from the world. It was, I didn't have any idea. I didn't even know who the President of the United States was uh, for many years, you know. And I remember uh, a devotee, I think I told this story already, a devotee was on an airplane, I guess it was 73s, uh, and a person sitting next to him said, so what do you think about Watergate and the, and the plumbers? The devotee said, Watergate? Plumbers? Right, even today, probably some of you are like, well, because you're, you know, you're too young to remember that. Um, but it was like the biggest thing in the news for months and months and months, and the devotees had no idea <laughs> what it was. Because they were just absorbed in, you know, in um, usually in distributing books or, or being, doing, being a pajari, getting up at 4 in the morning, going to bed by 8.30, and just their whole day was just, and they weren't at all um, uh, very much exposed to the material world. That was, uh, we were monks. And we were living that, that kind of life. So sometimes, you know, as I read this, I have some reminiscence and maybe even some um, uh, hankering for that kind of life. Because it was actually a very wonderful life. Everything I owned fit in a box this big, literally. You know, and never had to worry about money or anything. I was so detached from, from the world. So the trick for us, many of us do live in the world, and the challenge for us is to, um, is to have a healthy uh, detachment from it by taking the time to hear and chant about Krishna. Any thoughts on this? No? Yes. So, basically here Prabhupada is defining self-realization as understanding that we are spirit soul and that doesn't stop there. Basically, it goes all the way to the completion, stating like we are part and parcel of the Supreme, and our constitutional position is to be servant of the Supreme. Yes. So that is self-realization, but... Yeah, that's false. Yeah. Other processes that just stop with the identification that, oh, I am a spirit soul, and stops there. It's not a complete definition, but this definition is yes. a complete one. It stops, you, get, you don't get to the, oh, I'm a servant part. <laughs> I just get to, I'm spirit, soul, not this body. Right? But you don't have the part and parcel of Krishna. <laughs> or you may even have part and parcel of uh, Brahman or God, but not what the duty of the part and parcel is. Or the pleasure of the part and parcel, we could even say better than duty, right? Is to serve, yeah. Okay, shall we go on? So verse three. Um, the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the Supreme Soul, and He has no beginning. He is transcendental to the material modes of nature and beyond the existence of this material world. So this is explaining Krishna's tattva. 
He is perceivable everywhere because he is self-effulgent. And by his self-effulgent luster, the entire creation is maintained. So these verses, uh, so, okay, so now from four, oh, well, there was a little something I wanted to read here, actually. The existence of consciousness everywhere is not temporary. It is without beginning, and because it is without beginning, it is also without end. The theory that consciousness develops at a certain stage of material combination is not accepted herein, for the consciousness which exists everywhere is said to be without beginning. The materialistic or atheistic theory stating that there is no soul, that there is no God, and that consciousness is the result of a combination of matter is not acceptable. Matter is not beginningless, it has a beginning. As this material body has a beginning, the universal body also does also. And as our material body has begun on the basis of our soul, the entire gigantic universal body has begun on the basis of the supreme soul. So here's the micro and the macro, right? And they're analogous, right? We are, the, the material body is temporary, we're eternal, the soul, the soul's eternal. The material universe is temporary, mm -hmm. but what energizes it and what creates it is the supreme soul, Krishna. So it's a nice way of looking at it, looking, comparing us to the universe in that sense. So now in four to eight, uh, these are really important verses. And what, in this section, Krishna is uh, to, he, so he simultaneously creates the material world that says here is a pastime. Uh, he accepts the pastime of indirectly interacting with a subtle material energy. It's called pradhan. We're gonna have a few technical terms in this chapter. Uh, and within that pradhan, there's the unmanifested three modes of material nature. So then after the modes have manifest during the process of creation, the subtle energy coming from the Lord uh, provides forms, activities, and fields of activities for the conditioned souls. So Krishna simultaneously, because we want to forget him and we want to try to enjoy separately, he creates this world. And after creating it, he again appears in it, displaying his pastimes, um, and his instructions to give us a chance to get out. This is all lilaya, or activities. So let's uh, look at verse four. As his pastime, lilaya, that supreme personality of God, the greatest of the great, accepted the subtle material energy, which is invested with three material modes of nature, and which is related to Vishnu. Text five, divided into varieties by her threefold modes, material nature creates the forms of the living entities. And the living entities seeing this are illusioned by the knowledge covering, the knowledge covering feature of the illusory energy. And Srila Prabhupada writes in the purport that there is a hint in the previous verse in the word lilaya, which means for the pastimes of the Lord. The Lord wants to rectify the enjoying temperament of the conditioned souls. It is stated in Bhagavad Gita that no one is the enjoyer but the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This, anyone know that verse? Where does it say that in the Gita that there's uh, no one is the enjoyer but the Supreme Personality of Godhead? 
Yes, very good. Moktaram Yagatap is some Sarva Loka Mahesha. Krishna is the enjoyer of all sacrifices and austerities, not us. Yes. This material energy is created, therefore, for anyone who pretends to enjoy. So we're all pretending to enjoy. We're all in Maya. <laughs> the whole world is in Maya. <laughs> I mean, literally created by the illusory, you know, created by Krishna's bina um, prakriti. It says in the Bhagavad Gita, right? His, we just studied that yesterday. We did the seventh chapter of the Gita yesterday in the Gita overview class. Um, his bina prakriti, his external energy. So then a little later, in this material world, next, it's a whole paragraph actually, there are 8,400,000 species of life. As spirit souls, they are all transcendental to this material world. So there's all these species, all that grass out there, there's a soul, and every soul and every blade of grass is transcendental to this material world. Remember that next time you step on the grass. Why then do they exhibit themselves in different stages of life? The answer is given here. They are under the spell of the three modes of material nature. So you just imagine Maya with it like a spell, right? We're in, and we're in a spell. Because they are created by the material energy, their bodies are made of the material elements. Covered by the material body, the spiritual identity is lost. And therefore, the word mumuhe, mumuhe is used here, indicating that they have forgotten their own spiritual identity. So all those grasses there. Of course, that grass is very fortunate right there because it hears the Maha Mantra all the time. But next door neighbor's grass is not as fortunate. <laughs> Except maybe on Jamastami or Holy or something, one of the loudspeakers. <clears throat> Yes, my much more. Prabhu, um, Krishna accepting the material energy for the pastimes. Can you explain that, Prabhu? It's like, is it like he is appearing in the form like a human? Is that well, it, the, the... Because we know that his pastimes are extraordinary. Yes, but the key word, the key point here with Lilaya, or at least the key point that Srila Prabhupada makes, and he makes this in text eight purport, um, is that we is to understand this as Lilaya, Lila, mm -hmm. lest we think that he has accept that he has a, he's created the material energy and he's controlled by it. That's see, I mean, you know, you know, your average person you meet on the streets of Washington D.C. doesn't necessarily you know, think like this. But it's obviously an important point for our previous acharyas and also for Prabhupada to teach us. It comes up in verse 8, if I can find it really quickly. If not, um, I believe it's verse 8. Let's see. 7, 8. Yeah, let's see. What does Prabhupada say? In the Bhagavad Gita, it is said that when the Lord descends to this material world, he comes 
as a person by his own energy, Atmamaya. Atmamaya. What, where is that verse? Ah, Jopi Sanavya. Thank you. He is not forced by any superior energy. That's the key point. He's not forced. He comes by his own will, and this can be called his pastime or lila. But here it is clearly stated that the conditioned soul is forced to take a certain type of body and senses under the three modes of material nature. So then Prabhupada says the Mayavad philosopher later on, present, Mayavadi, Mayavadi philosopher's presentation is that the living entity enjoys his pastime by accepting the body of a hog. This theory is not acceptable, however, because the word, quote, pastime implies voluntary acceptance of enjoyment. Therefore, this interpretation is most misleading. So, it's, um, it's Krishna's kindness, or we could say his lila, that he, he creates a place where those, because he gives everyone, every living entity free will, where those with free will can live out their um, desires. And he also gives them a chance to realize, oh my God, this is not what I bargained for, right? So Lila, uh, yeah, you, yeah it, Lila is being used in a slightly different way than we're normally used to, because we usually, right? But it's there for a very important purpose, all right? Okay, now where was I? I was reading something. Um, text five. Right, wasn't it text five? Yeah. Covered by the material body. Oh, I read that. This forgetfulness of spiritual identity is present in the jivas or souls who are conditioned, being subject to be covered by the energy of the material nature. Jnana guhaya is another word, is another word used here. Another word used. Guha means covering. Because the knowledge of the minute conditioned souls is covered, they are exhibited in so many species of life. It is said in the Srimad Bhagavatam, seventh chapter, verse canto, the living entities are illusioned by the material energy. In the Vedas also it is stated that the eternal living entities are covered by different modes and that they are called tree-colored, which is interesting, right? It's the color of the American flag, red, white, and blue. <laughs> interesting, huh? When you look at an American flag, you can just think, conditioned by the material nature. <clears throat> Red is a representation of the mode of passion. White is a representation of the mode of goodness. And blue is a representation of the mode of ignorance. These modes of material nature belong to the material energy. And therefore, the living entities under these different modes of material nature have different kinds of material bodies. Because they are forgetful of their spiritual identities, they think the material bodies to be themselves. To the conditioned soul, me means the material body. This is called moha, or bewilderment. So that was text five. Um, let's go on to six. Because of his forgetfulness, the transcendental living entity accepts the influence of material energy as his field of activities, and thus actuated, he wrongly applies the activities to himself. So because we forget Krishna, our actions are controlled by maya. 
we identify this world as if this world was our own, right? And it's not only this world, it's, you know, you know, it's our place of birth, we consider worshipable, right? Where are you from, Prabhu? Chennai Paka. Yeah. So if you're just walking down the street or you're in the metro and you meet someone and where are you from and he just says Chennai, it's, isn't it so natural? Say, you're from Chennai. Wow, so am I. Hari Bol. Right? Yeah, there's <laughs> that identity is, right? So we, we, uh, we relate very much to this world, this body. We believe we can, so we, we believe that on a certain level we, that we can control uh, our destiny, although our power is insignificant compared to the governing power of the material energy. So in Maya, we think we are our bodies, then our actions then come from a desire to act selfishly. And uh, we, yeah, we get entangled in this world. Right. Yeah, get entangled in this world. Hmm. Text number <coughs> seven and eight, we'll read together. Material consciousness is a cause of one's conditioned life, conditional life. In which, condition, in which conditions are enforced upon the living entity by the material energy. Although the spirit soul does not do anything and is transcendental to such activities, he is thus affected by conditioned life. Text 8. The cause of the conditioned soul's material body and senses and the senses presiding deities, the demigods, is the material nature. This is understood by learned men. The feelings of happiness and distress of the soul, who is transcendental by nature, are caused by the spirit soul himself. And in the purport, Srila Prabhupada writes, The living entity is the cause of his own suffering. But he can also be the cause of his eternal happiness. When he wants to engage in Krishna consciousness, a suitable body is offered to him by the internal potency the spiritual energy of the Lord. And when he wants to satisfy his senses, a material body is offered. Thus, it is his free choice to accept a spiritual body or a material body. But once the body is accepted, he has to enjoy or suffer the consequences. So there's you know, some deep points here, and I, I need to study them a little bit more because it comes up, I'm just, I was telling the devotees yesterday, I'm just reading... Um, the Uddhava Gita right now and um, in chapter 10 I believe it is um, and this question comes up just like here I, I would think that for most many of us as we read verse 7 the question comes in our mind right where it says material consciousness is the cause of one's conditioned life okay we, that we experience so that's not a problem in which conditions are enforced upon the living entity by the material energy. That we understand. Although the spirit's soul does not do anything and is transcendental to such activities, he is thus affected by the conditional life. So, it's because it's, 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 a, it's a bit of a mind boggler, right? That we're spiritual, we're transcendental to this world, and yet we 
feel very much that we're having a material existence. And we, um, as it comes up later in the chapter, we fear things like old age and death, mm -hmm. even though the soul can't die. So it seems like a paradox, right? So uh, <clears throat> the, the culprit in this is uh, the false ego. This false, this, the false ego is such a powerful, it's the most powerful material element. And it has the power of convincing someone who's totally spiritual that they're totally material. Right? So, you know, Maya is no joke. She doesn't have a grasp only on tonight's Oscars. She has a grasp on everything. It's her kingdom. So it takes uh, some real mercy and also some deep study to uh, get free from Maya's clutches. Of course, you know, if, if one could chant Hare Krishna 24 hours a day, they don't have to worry about Maya, like Maya Mantra does. Uh, how do you get the name if you don't do that? <laughs> um, so it, it's, it's, it's an interesting paradox and then, or, or situation, right, to understand that we are, we're, we're eternal. You know, we're, we've given this example, it was just something I used to meditate on when I was younger. We're stronger than Superman. Superman has to worry about kryptonite. We don't even have to worry about kryptonite. We're, we're, nothing can kill us. Nothing can, no fire can burn us. The uh, second chapter of the Gita, no wind can wither us. No weapon can destroy us. Yet, because of the false identification, we think we're this body. But all those people, as you pass by a, uh, you don't see so many um, uh, cemeteries in D.C. At least I don't. I, I rarely see cemeteries in D.C. Right? But, you know, other places that I live, especially in New York, there's a huge cemetery that you drive by every time you go uh, into Brooklyn or into the Bronx. So all those people who were f fans of a certain sports or were a Democrat or a Republican or uh, you know, uh, a baker, a candlestick maker, or whatever, it's all, it's all, and they were so absorbed in, in thinking in that way about that, and it was their very life. Um, where is that now? So Maya has this amazing ability. I see in my, in my work, um, you know, people come to me with their problems, that's my job, um, and, and, and in my mind, I mean, I'm there to help them, and I do help them, but in my mind, I'm thinking, my God, this is so petty, and yet they're totally absorbed in it. <laughs> then I think about myself, and how many things am I absorbed in that is so petty? So that's what this, that's what this chapter is about. This chapter is there to take this big ax and cut at the knot of attachment to this world. Cut a chip away at it, at least. Yes, Guru Prasad. That's his name. So, Prabhu, it's like uh, when someone close to us dies. Yes. 
the immediate close relative has a lot of grief correct and let's say someone dies of a cause which is like uh, because someone else caused it or something unnatural yeah someone killed them or they got in a car accident or a yeah, drunk driver the, f- the feeling of revenge it's so how because okay died but right. a true spiritualist will i i do not know what will be the reaction but the feeling of revenge will come and well, who what are you going to revenge their body they're not their body they're the soul right <laughs> was this what krishna said to arjuna <laughs> in the gita right um you bring up a really point that we did we bring it up in this class maybe about a month or two ago the idea about um uh grieving when someone leaves their body did we talk about that cuz cuz because you know the gyani a pakka gyani shouldn't grieve at all right they just say you know com- uh, chemicals to chemicals and per- the person is a soul and uh this world's temporary and they probably had 10 million other lives why should we even grieve for a second it it's it's maya right because what are we grieving for a bunch of chemicals because the body is that's all the body is ashes to ashes dust to dust so a devotee understands that and adds to it the devotional element and therefore when a devotee passes away they lament not because the body is gone they lament that they lost that person's association yeah so so yeah the um the the challenge with gyan that we're studying this this uh this week is it can lead to hard-heartedness it can if you don't add gyan leading to bhakti right it can it can lead to that it can lead to hard heartedness so we have to and and sometimes in the earlier days of iskon we had that issue sometimes where everyone was just so kind of like they didn't make this this distinction between gyan and bhakti or didn't understand the connection between the two and then they just kind of focused on the gyan hey anyway, well, you're not your body who cares if you're sick you know get out on sangratan you know <laughs> i mean it wasn't that bad but uh well, some place uh but it it's it's uh so we have to understand this in context and especially in the context of the previous chapter which glorified devotional service just like we have to understand the uddhava gita in the context that it was just coming from the uh, 10th canto the shrimad bhagavatam which is all about bhakti so this can be helpful as long as we keep it connected you know okay i'm not this body i shouldn't lament about i shouldn't be absorbed in maya what should i be absorbed in oh krishna it can make you the gyan can make you forget about the path of bhakti if you're not careful yes no i i was and, saying that revenge oh revenge oh you're back to revenge. revenge sorry you forget oh yeah revenge, revenge is not uh, i mean revenge is not first of all seeing krishna's hand in things right um we may yeah revenge isn't isn't a very good um quality let's say somebody who comes to the temple on sundays is mistreating women 
and they mistreat one of the ladies who comes on Sundays. We don't want to get revenge necessarily on him, or, but we do want to protect the other ladies. So for that reason, we may say you cannot come to the temple. Not because of revenge, but because of protecting in other innocent people. So the motivation is a little different. But revenge, which mode of material nature do you think revenge comes from? Passion or ignorance, maybe even? Because, uh, you know, kama asha, krota asha. Uh, anger often comes from ignorance. Yeah. So we don't want re revenge, we just want to get even. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, should we move on? Good questions. Um, so we just read seven and eight, right? Is that right? Yeah, okay. And eight. Krishna Prabhu. Yes. Prabhu, I get this question uh, in the Kailash preaching. Okay. So. Which question? About revenge? The revenge part, like, or at least the acknowledgement of the other person's aggression. The what of other person's aggression? Acknowledgement. So, I mean, to a girl who has suffered by in, some aggressors in Middle East, who is here studying at college, but it's very difficult for them. Microphone. It's very difficult for them to accept, you know, that it's the result of my karma or seeing God's hand in that. Yes, yeah, well, okay, now that's, that's another issue. I mean, we've talked about this before, because this comes, the verse, that verse that says that when bad things happen to us, um, we should um, uh, meditate on the Lord and understand that he's minimized it and with our heart and mind and body uh, offer him obeisances, and one who does that is um, is achieved the kingdom of God, basically. It's such an important understanding. But helping people, that may, we can apply that to ourselves, but when helping others, it's, it's, a, it's a much more sensitive yeah. sure. topic. Yeah, right? So yeah, we've talked about this before, right? When, when someone comes up to you and says, oh, Mahamantra, you, you hurt your ankle. <laughs> Krishna's mercy. <laughs> and you feel like giving, you know, giving them some Krishna's mercy, right? Yeah, so... <clears throat> So it's, that's, that is a challenge, yes, to, uh, and usually it, it involves, because it's, it's, it's on the psychological platform, which is an important emotional platform, and, um, and it can go very deep when someone is really mistreated, right? So we can just acknowledge their hurt and, uh, and be empathic, and as gradually, if trust develops, hmm. And they ask us, you know, well, you know, what does the scripture say about it? Or, or, you know, help me understand how other saintly persons in the past have dealt with this. We could spoon feed that until they can actually come to the level of acceptance of that. It's not so easy. Just like in uh, Elizabeth Keebler Ross's book, about books about death, she talks about the five stages of death. And only the last stage is one called acceptance, right? Um, and she said most people don't come to that stage mm -hmm. when they pass away. Did you want to add? You still have the microphone. Uh, <laughs> so, like in that situation, 
is it okay to say the reason for the other person's aggression is the mode of the modes influence of the modes lower uh, modes you know it's it's everything and this kind of thing it's all time place and circumstance okay. right if they think that by that you're 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 relieving them of their responsibility because it's just the modes it's not the He's a nice guy. He's just the modes got that's him. The fear yeah, that's happening. not going to uh, hold. Yeah. That's not going to be very helpful. So, and and the thing is that you know, uh, like just now, right? We're going to have many hundreds of people coming soon for Sunday program. Almost everyone has some kind of huge challenge in their life. Yes. There's nobody that's just kind of sailing through, you know, unscathed by the material energy. Some people have been mistreated by somebody else or, or whatever, you know, financially, you know, there's all kinds of issues that people have. So that's why this shloka is no joke. Uh, Prabhupada in the Nectar Devotion says that it's the, it should be the guide of all devotees, right? To, because what it does is it cuts at the very root of our existence in the material world, our mm -hmm. envy of Krishna. Because the tendency of it ultimately sometimes is to blame God. If you believe in him at all, or, or if, well, if there were a God, this wouldn't have happened to me, or you know, like that. Um, and so this is the opposite, that no, you actually, that you think, well, actually, Krishna, you're very kind. I should have been worse. That is, that is a deep, and therefore it says, daya bak, that the that person who attains that consciousness is eligible to go back to Godhead. It's a very deep consciousness. It's a very deep and advanced consciousness, actually. Because we all... No, you know, no one comes out of this world alive, <laughs> right? At least, well, unless we follow this chapter, then we all get out of the world alive because we're eternal. Yeah. So that's tricky. I mean, not tricky, but that's sensitive. And that's where we have to apply the philosophy to time, place, and circumstance. Yes, I can tell you have the microphone ready to... Hare Krishna. So, one of the thing is, every living entity in the material world faces challenges. The only, and sometimes this challenge is referred to as problems. And no problem is the case when dead matter, right? Dead matter has no problem. <laughs> yeah, that, when you're dead you have no problems <laughs> yeah. until you take the next birth. Yeah. Yeah. So, as a living entity in the material world, challenges always always there. Some people look at them as roadblocks. Some people look at them as stepping stones. It's the right. attitude that matters. Is how you have. And I'm just reminded of yesterday's incident. Devotees are never looking at news, and so they're completely unaware. We came out from the yesterday. We went for White House too. Came out from the northern side, and we were taking photograph. And right there, a couple of shots were fired. And it, security guards were everywhere and people with, you know, like machine guns came out and we were all pushed in behind the wall and we were like, and I was seeing how fearful the situation is. You were there? Yeah, we were there. Achha. Actually, we took the photograph right at that particular place where the shots were heard. And, like, and we immediately behind the, you know, there's a short wall with pillars. Uh -huh. So we were under there and People were just pushing on to us, and I was seeing how fearful they looked mm. and how that situation was. And 
so Srila Prabhupada, when he says there is a constant war going on with Maya, and he gives an example, even if you go out without a coat, you know, you can die in winter. And I'm actually experiencing bad throat. <laughs> I can tell you have your winter jacket on yeah, in the temple room. <laughs> so there's a constant war going on, and we have to keep our consciousness that, you know, you have this gift, you have to protect yourself to be able to serve, yet at the same time continue serving. Yes. To stay safe. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Wow, you were there when, uh, for those who didn't know, somebody shot himself in the in front of the White House yesterday. And our Prabhuji was there to save him. Oh, no. <laughs> Just wanted to also identify. And then we, everyone was escorted to the visitor center, but there was such a big long line. We decided not to go to visitor center. There was a Marriott Hotel. We went to the lounge of the Marriott Hotel. And we were surprised for half an hour. Nobody even knew. Everyone was like completely oblivious to what has happened outside. And it was after half an hour, around 12, news. yeah. Around noon, they actually around 11, 14, they showed it on the news and on the TV. Oh. And then people suddenly became alarmed. It was just two blocks away, this right. incident happened. You didn't go to the uh, Trump Hotel? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, Prabhu? Hare Krishna. Um, about two weeks ago, I was reading a little segment, or it, you know, Chaitanya Charandas, he had a segment on karma uh, related to terrorism. Uh -huh. And um, he tied in the points of uh, you know, revenge versus forgiveness, or like you were just talking um, about being able to accept Krishna's hand. And he mentioned that you know, the authorities, they have to it's their um, duty to uh, take care of the miscreants. So, yes. so uh, I guess you can listen to that uh, segment. Uh, yeah, he's a good speaker. Yeah, so, uh, so, so the, I guess the point is that, you know, for persons who have wronged you, first of all, I have to protect myself from them, and then the authorities should be empowered to deal with them. Right, and, and that's real. Chatriya means to hurt. Yeah. But it doesn't, they don't necessarily, Chatriya doesn't necessarily have a revengeful attitude, they don't but have a, a protective right. attitude. Protective attitude, yeah. yeah. And like on a personal level, like we have talked, kind of accept, yeah. try to accept. Right. So usually in ISKCON, we're not so, con we're not as so concerned of the um, physical protection. We try to though, protect devotees philosophically from uh, misunderstandings. That's another, that's a worse kind of hurt in some ways. Mm -hmm. So let's move on. Um, so Devahuti is going to ask a question. And then there's a section from verses, in verse 9, and then there's a section from verse 10 to 14, which discusses this, this word pradhan and prakriti. And then in... Um, uh, 15 is a mention of the word time, kala, and then from 16 to 18 we hear about kala, time. So, verse, so let's hear what Devahuti has to say. You know, if I was Devahuti, I would be like, could you repeat that? I didn't follow what you just said. <laughs> you know? But she's really intelligent. <laughs> so she says, look at this intelligent question. O Supreme Personality of Godhead, Kindly explain the characteristics of the Supreme Person 
and his energies, for both of these are the cause of this manifest and unmanifest creation. That's quite a question. I would have said, well, you know, tell me a little bit more about bhakti, you know. <laughs> uh, verse 10, the Supreme Personality of God had said, the unmanifested eternal combination of the three modes is the cause of the manifest state and is called pradhan. It is called prakriti when in the manifested stage of existence. So pradhan is matter in its initial phase. That's the easiest way, I think the easiest definition. In its initial phase. Uh, pradhan, literally the word means first or it can mean primal. Okay? Uh, it's the most subtle form of matter, but it's not spiritual. It's not Brahman. Okay, then, uh, well, later we find out one definition of, well, Prakriti or Mahatattva is once the, this, you could also say Pradhan is the, un, yeah, it's the unmanifested modes. And then when the glance of the Lord, and we're going to hear about all these things, then it becomes Mahatattva and becomes like alive. And, yeah, or Prakriti, yes, very good. So text 11, the aggregate elements, namely the five gross elements, we're going to hear all about these. The five subtle elements, uh, the four internal senses, and the five senses for gathering knowledge, and the five outward organs of action are known as pradhan in their unmanifest state. Yeah. Um, so there's a, these are the 24 elements. And we'll hear more, a lot more about them. And here, well, here we hear, but here we hear about them right now. Uh, there are five gross elements. We know that one, right, from Bhagavad Gita, chapter 7, verse 4. Uh, earth, water, fire, air, and ether. And there are five subtle elements. Uh, smell, taste, color, touch, and sound. Um, and we're going to learn later, but just for your information, these ten come from uh, false ego in the mode of ignorance. The false ego influenced by the mode of ignorance. The senses for acquiring knowledge and the organs for action number 10, these come from the mode of passion, namely the auditory sense, the sense of taste, the tactile sense, the sense of sight, the sense of smell, the active organ, um, the active organ for speaking, the active organs for working, and those for traveling, generating, and evacuating. The internal subtle senses are experienced as having four aspects. So here, contaminated consciousness is added. We usually understand from Bhagavad Gita, Bhumira Ponalavoyu Kangmano Budhir Evacha Ahankara. So mind, intelligence, and ego. And here is added contaminated consciousness. We'll hear a little bit about that uh, in a few minutes if you're really nice. <laughs> yes? Where's your microphone? Oh, wow, it traveled a long way. We have three of them out here, I think, right? Yes, Prabhu? Uh, Prabhu, this Pradhan, I understand it is in the unman unmanifested state, the, uh, it is called Pradhan, but is it eternal? Is, is it eternal? Yeah. It's material, so, so it gets annihilated and created. Yeah. 
Oh, that's my understanding. Because it's not Brahman. It specifically says it's not Brahman, which is spiritual. Um, I guess it's eternal in the sense that it's created again and again in different creations. But that's not eternal. That's like, it's not, it's not the, um, it's Bina Prakriti. So it's an energy of the Lord, but a separated material energy of the Lord. Tiga? Okay, so the internal subtle senses, okay, are four. Uh, distinctions between them can be made only by different functions, since they represent different characteristics. All these are considered the qualified Brahman. Qualified Brahman, that's a key word here. Um, the mixing element, which is known as time, is counted as the 25th element. So now we're going to hear about time for the next three verses. Um, the influence of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is felt in the time factor, which causes fear of death. Why? Due to false ego. Ego. Of the deluded soul, or we are all deluded, and that, that's a heavy word, who, have con who has contacted material nature. And a little from the purport. In other words, time is destructive. Whatever is created is subject to destruction and dissolution, which is the action of time. Time is a representation of the Lord, and it reminds us also that we must surrender unto the Lord. The Lord speaks to every conditioned soul as time. The Lord speaks to every conditioned soul as time. He says in Bhagavad Gita that if someone surrenders unto him, then there is no longer any problem of birth and death. We should therefore accept the time factor as the Supreme Personality of Godhead standing before us. So we've spoken many, many times about time in these classes. Such a powerful element. No one can escape. I was telling the devotees yesterday, I was, somehow I saw the, um, I guess it's 11 years ago now, the announcement of the first iPhone. It was, you know, Steve Jobs making, you know, they have these big announcements whenever a new technical thing. This was a huge, I mean, look how, he's, look how it's changed the world, right? The smartphones, you know, changed the world. Um, and so now I was seeing, so he looks healthy and everything. But even him of incredible riches, couldn't, what was it, uh, liver cancer? What? Yeah, cancer, yeah. So all the money in the world can't uh, stop the time factor. All the vitamin E in the world can't get rid of all the wrinkles. You know, right? You can, you can eat kale until your whole body turns green and you still have to die. Right? Of course we should take care of our health. And that's not, uh, we shouldn't neglect our bodies. That's, that's something else. But it's just insurmountable. It's just insurmountable. It's insurmountable time factor. <clears throat> and therefore it represents Krishna. My dear mother, O daughter of Swayambhuva Manu. So she's a very exalted person. She's the daughter of Swayambhuva Manu. The time factor as I've explained, is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Mrityu Sarva... What's the rest? Yes. Krishna comes 
you know, you can either, we can either bow down to Radha Madan Mohan now, or we all bow down at the time of death. From whom the creation begins as a result of the agitation of the neutral, unmanifested nature, the Pradhan. Just the first few sentences. The unmanifested state of the material nature, Pradhan, is being explained. The Lord says that when the unmanifested material nature is agitated by the glance of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, it begins to manifest itself in different ways. And then a little further, the Chaitanya Charitamrita also, uh, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita also, a very suitable example is given in this connection. Although the nipples on a goat's neck appear to be breast nipples, they do not give milk. Similarly, material nature appears to the material scientist to act and react in a wonderful manner. But in reality, it cannot act without the agitator, time, who is a representation uh, of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So it's, it's so, you know, the, one part of material nature can absorb a person's study their whole life. You know, just to, I mean, there's people who have studied like just, you know, how does a, a bee stay afloat, right? This body is so much heavier than its wings. So they can, <laughs> that one thing, <laughs> Uh, and we forget and forget that um, that without Krishna, the agitator, it says here, uh, without God being present and creating this, it wouldn't happen. But even a little thing like that can absorb a very seemingly intelligent person's consciousness. Right? And then the last part about time is the next verse and brings in um, by. By exhibiting his potency, the Supreme Personality of God adjusts all these different elements, keeping himself within as a supersoul and without as time. So, so the personal weapon uh, used by Krishna, the disc, is called sometimes Hari Chakra, the, right? The disc of Hari. And that disc is time. Um, it, it expands from the, uh, from the beginning of the atoms up to the time of Lord Brahma's death, and it controls all activities. It is, I'm just, uh, it is always revolving and spending the lives of us. Right? Time is always. Right? From Brahma down to an insignificant blade of grass, it is impossible to check the wheel of time. And why is it so powerful? It's Krishna. It's coming from Krishna. Yeah, and it overcomes any, everything. Yeah. You can, I, I think a lot about time when I, I try to think about time like um, even out in the world, like when somebody retires from work. Because right? a lot of people are retiring these days. Uh, so it's the time factor. Right? Or a sports person can no longer be at the top of his or her game any longer. It's the time factor, right? Or someone is being affected by health or dementia or Alzheimer's. It's a time factor. The time factor is just, we don't think about it so much. You know, our car starts breaking down. Even that, it's the time factor, right? The time factor just affects us all the time. All the time. That wasn't meant to be a pun. <laughs> 
Very, very powerful. Yes. Hare Krishna. Uh, I was reading something, so it actually opened my eyes. Something Wanted Krishna conscious or no? Krishna conscious. Oh, okay, okay. It is said that, you know, Krishna is absolute. Right. Yet people say time is relative. It's relative based on our consciousness. So the That's context true is too. us. So time on its own is absolute, but we perceive time differently because of our position or different context. Mm -hmm. we are in. So we are conditioned and that's why it appears temporary. Just like when Krishna appeared, not everyone, not everyone accepted him as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Only few people like Pandavas and others knew that he is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That doesn't make Krishna temporary, that makes the consciousness temporary. Mm. Our experience of time yeah, is relative. Just like if this is a really boring class, it'll seem like it goes on eternally. And if it's a real interesting class, you look up, oh, it's already 12 o'clock, wow. Right? So it's relative. Or what are those flies called in, in India where that, that live just one night? Fireflies or? Mayflies also. Yeah, one day. But they experience it like we experience. You know, Brahma experiences 100 years like we experience 100 years like the, you know, I mean, his lifetime relatively. So it's relative. And in another sense, it's absolute because, you know, that's, we have 15 minutes left of class. Um, anywhere in the world, there's 15 minutes of the same 15 minutes for our experience of it. So time has, multi, it's multifaceted in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I, I think time is relative. And even the scientists know that. Because, like, they say if you're in a spaceship and you're accelerating, accelerating, you're getting closer to uh, speed of light, you can measure your arm and everything always looks the same, but actually the ruler and everything is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And then when you reach speed of light, then time actually ceases and you're infinitely small. So it's always relative, but only time doesn't, Krishna is not affected by time. So he's outside of yes, that. He's not it's relative to everything else, but not to him. Because right. that's what's so interesting. Right. <laughs> and that's why another reason why he's just a very simple point that he's Nava Yovana. Right? If, I mean, if we think about it, we'd all like, in terms of health and vitality and all that, we'd all like to stop getting old at about 25. Isn't it? Yeah, remember, anyone here remember when you were 25? How much? I, I was telling uh, the, uh, this devotee, um, Bhima is his name, yeah, who was just here. So on Harinam, he was dancing and dancing and dancing all night last night. And I mentioned it to my uh, son. This morning, and I, was, I said, Hi, where does he get the energy? And he said, Pitta, you used to be like that when you were 25 also. <laughs> you just don't remember it, right? So, uh, so yeah, so that's what Krishna does. He doesn't get older than 20, 25, right? No, but, you know, he, he, he's got that one sust. <laughs> so, um, but because of time factor on another level, we wouldn't, if, if we could live a thousand years, we wouldn't want to unless everyone that we knew and loved could live a thousand years. Otherwise, you just, all the people, they just die off and you're still there and, and who knows how wrinkled your skin is by a thousand years. You know, um, but still that desire to not die is there because we're actually eternal. Okay. Uh, 
So we did the time factor. And now in 19, one second, just <clears throat> 19 to 25, uh, we hear about the Lord's potency. Um, Pradhan, mani so Pradhan turns into Mahatattva, you could say. So 19 to 25. After the Supreme Personality of God, it impregnates material nature with his internal potency. Material nature delivers the sum total of the cosmic intelligence, which is known as Hiranmaya, um, which equals the Mahatattva. Same, Hiranmaya is the Mahatattva. This takes place in the material nature when she is agitated by the destinations of the conditioned souls. Text 20. Thus, after manifesting variegatedness, the effulgent Mahatattva, which contains all the universes within itself, which is the root of all cosmic manifestations, and which is not destroyed at the time of annihilation, swallows the darkness that covers the effulgence at the time of dissolution. The mode of goodness, which is the clear, sober status of understanding the personality of Godhead, and which is generally called Vasudeva, or consciousness, becomes manifest in the Mahatattva. After the manifestation of the Mahatattva, these features appear simultaneously. As water in its natural state, before coming in contact with earth, is clear, sweet, and unruffled, so the characteristic traits of pure consciousness are complete serenity, clarity, and freedom from distraction. That's interesting, huh? Freedom from distraction. And then 23 and 24. The material ego springs up from the Mahatattva, which evolved from the Lord's own energy. The material ego is endowed predominantly with active, with active power of three kinds, good, passionate, and ignorant. It is from these three types of material ego that the mind, the sense perception, and the organs of action and the gross elements evolve. So, uh, I'll read one more. The threefold ahankara, the source of the gross, ahankara means false ego, the source of the gross elements, the senses and the mind is identical with them because it is their cause. It is known by the name Sankarsana, which, who is uh, directly Lord Ananta with a thousand heads. So, uh, let's just try to, uh, I'm going to read a little bit and about this whole point about Mahatattva and Chitta and um, um, etc. Okay, and let's if, see if you can follow along. It's a little philosophical uh, or a little detailed. The Mahatattva is the aggregate samasta of consciousness. It is the shadow of pure consciousness. This is like the fourth, remember the, the uh, contaminated consciousness? Uh, or cosmic intelligence. This same consciousness, when referring to an individual personal self, is called chitta. Okay, so Mahatattva is the big consciousness, and when it refers to each one of us, 
is called chitta. <clears throat> this clear sattva guna consciousness, the basic consciousness of the conditioned soul, will later be contaminated with false ego and manifest within the living entities. So it's pure at first, and then it becomes, uh, it's, a basic, it's our basic consciousness, and it becomes contaminated by material, the false ego. So the Lord, whom the pure consciousness perceives, is known as Lord Vasudev. He is the Lord as manifest in the material world, um, the cause of all causes and all that is. That's, that's in uh, Vasudeva Sarvamiti in the Bhagavad Gita, verse 19 of chapter 7. So that consciousness in which Vasudev may be perceived may also be termed Vasudev. Okay, so the consciousness by which you understand Vasudev is sometimes also called Vasudev. <clears throat> Uh, Lord Vasudev, as Prabhupada refers to him in this purport in 21, is the first expansion of the Supersoul, the worshipful deity of those in Vasudev consciousness. Are you following? The Supersoul's existence neither rests upon nor can be fully perceived by material consciousness, even consciousness in Sattva Guna. So you have to be above Sattva Guna to fully realize Supersoul. Rather, the Supersoul's existence rests upon and is perceived only by pure goodness, Shuddha Sattva. Fully pure consciousness that can perceive Krishna and his expansions is sometimes called Vasudev. Vasudev Sattva or, Vasud or Vishuddha Sattva. But the, material, but the Mahatattva contains far more than pure consciousness with the ability to perceive Vasudev. Injected into the Mahatattva are the souls, who have freely chosen to turn their backs on their identities, their, position, their positions as Krishna's servant. So in the Mahatattva, not only is Vasudev consciousness, but also us, who've turned our back on Krishna. Forsaking our true identity, the living entities are impelled by their desire to take shelter of Maya. To survive there, however, they must first acquire a false identity. The essence of false ego is two. One, independence from Krishna, and two, enjoying spirit. Thus, false ego develops immediately within the Mahatattva and then combines with the three modes of material nature, uh, goodness, passion, ignorance. This combination of false ego and the three modes envelops the soul's pure consciousness in ever-increasing coverings of darkness and also acts instrumentally to cause the remainder of the creation. That was from Buryajan Prabhu's book. I just thought it was a much, I mean, I know how much work went into just writing that paragraph. <laughs> so I didn't think I could do any better justice, even though I know it's a little hard to read a full paragraph, a philosophical paragraph, out loud like that. Because um, it, is, it is a little um, rich. But this, the idea here is that the Mahatattva has this pure consciousness, um, and also though the three modes of material nature there, and also the jivas are there. And then, then what we're going to hear in the in the next uh, part of the chapter is um, the creation continues based on the combination 
of false ego and the three modes. Yes. So, Hare Krishna Prabhu. So, Chitta is part of Mahatattva. Um, Chitta is, well, the one thing we said here is that, no, Mahatattva is the aggregate of consciousness. Aggregate means, yeah, Mah right? So, and and in the, it is the shadow of pure consciousness. This same consciousness, when referred to an individual, is Chitta. Yeah, so, so, so consciousness is Chitta, right? So Our consciousness. Our consciousness. Yeah. So, uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, eternally it's happy, right? Like, Chitta is consciousness without contamination of false ego. Um, or uh, it, is, it is eternal. And... Uh, well, all I can say is what it says here. This clear sattva guna, it doesn't say vishuddha, it just says sattva guna consciousness of Chitta, the basic consciousness of the conditioned soul will later be contaminated with false ego and manifest within the living entities. So that false ego is getting contaminated. So uh, what is that? Uh, I just want to get that area. Who makes that action to contaminate that consciousness? Well, ultimately, we know who does everything. <laughs> Created this whole mess. <laughs> because we wanted it. Yes? It's the choice. Give him a microphone. And we can choose to return that to that person, but we can also choose to keep it. But our consciousness tells us to return it, but we can choose to ignore it. So it's our choice which... Yeah, um, like I said, that's why I specifically why I read this instead of trying to explain it, because I know how much effort went into writing this and I couldn't do a better job. <laughs> So I don't know exactly uh, what's uh, outside of what I just read. <laughs> but your question is? We are contaminated with our ego. The consciousness is contaminated with the ego. And uh, uh, Supreme Lord is the enjoyer and like we are going into this vicious life cycle. Yeah. So... Uh, I just want to find out where is the starting point, how this ego is getting, uh, contaminating the um, consciousness, because that is the starting point for this life. And, uh, and who is doing it? When, when consciousness is already in a, a pure stage of happiness, and uh, I understand like, you know, that is pure knowledge. When consciousness is pure, it, it has full knowledge also. And with that full knowledge, why Consciousness will choose to uh, association with an ego, false ego. Well, now you're just asking the basic uh, understanding. Why did we we have you know the, the idea of independence? But Mataji, you were going to say something. Okay, I think Andy's got the answer though. Thank God we have Andy. <laughs> no, not to. But I remember reading in the purports while studying. That helps this. if you're going to quote a purport. Very yeah, good. Yeah. That uh, well, actually, Prabhupada said something I've been waiting years to hear. Because uh, I come from a Christian tradition, and we have the story of Adam and Eve. And yep. A, a very clear, exact explanation of how we separated from God. But finally, Prabhupada said, you can take it for granted that the conditioned souls made the choice to do that. Yes. So yes. that's it. That's when it happened. We, ate we don't the know apple. why, but that's when we it happened. We ate the apple. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah. He said you can take it for granted that that happened, even yeah. though there's not an explicit retelling of the moment it happened. He said you can take it for granted. Right. I, I mean, it's, your question is a basic question that we have. I mean, the, the, the simplest, simple answer, not simple, but uh, is that Krishna gives us free choice. And when we choose to um, enjoy separately from him, then he makes all arrangements for that consciousness to be available. Yes, Manaji? Oh. Wait, 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 wait. We need to more, uh, hear your... It's very hard to admit how you, you, you made the wrong choice, right? Because this world is so miserable. But you do every time in little things in our life, you always have a choice, always. And your consciousness tells us, don't do that, even though you do it. <laughs> is it? Yes, yes, that's right. In, um, I mean, in, uh, what is it, verse chapter 13, verse 20 of the Gita, I'm pretty sure it is. And there Prabhupada says, um, Actually, the living entity is originally the spiritual part and parcel of the Supreme Lord, but due to his rebellious nature, he is conditioned within material nature. It really does not matter how these living entities or superior entities of the Supreme Lord have come in contact uh, with material nature. The Supreme Personality of Godhead knows, however, how and why this actually took place. So he basically says, you know, if you're in a fire, you don't try to understand how the fire started, you just try to get out. Yes, um, the only thing I was going to say maybe is that it's not that something from outside is coming and contaminating you know, the consciousness, but actually within the Mahatattva, because the, the ahankar is already there, because all the raw ingredients are already there. It's only that mm. by the glance, it's getting differentiated, and then the false ego comes out, and then everything starts manifesting. But the whole thing is... You know, the living entities, you know, they were in the body of Mahavishnu and you know, the Lord is desiring for them to come out again and actually get, um, you know, reestablished in their constitutional position of serving them. He's not happy until then. And so then, you know, um, Rama Devi, you know, she, she is the internal energy. She, you know, uh, expands herself as a time energy and he glances. And so the living entities are already there, so now we just have to be packaged into different bodies and all the differentiation is happening. <laughs> we already made the choice before. So it's not like something is from outside. I don't know if that helps, but... Yeah, that helps a lot, thank you. It's, better, uh, it's a better delivery system than Amazon, even. So uh, we are done now. We're, we went over time. Luckily, we have Mama Antropo. Oh, well, you're the one who's teaching the japa, right? So yes, go ahead, if you want to... Yeah. And my, my wife is not here, so. 